on today's show. I'm talking about the 2020-2021 season for the Golden State Warriors. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. Golden State Warriors, let's talk about what happened for them. During this last season, of course, they did not make the playoffs, losing to Memphis in the play-in tournament. So what did the season look like? Well, they finished 39-33. and Pretty weird to see a team finishing with that sort of record not making the playoffs, but that's just the way that things went this year. They had the 20th best offense, which is pretty bad considering that you've got Steph Curry, but the problem is, is you know, the other players that are around him. They were fifth in defense, which is an astonishing number, realistically. That is, you know, that's Draymond Green. Yeah, Wiggins was a big part of that as well. Steph is not as bad as you think he is. But trying to do that with you know, the the players on this roster is a staggering number. And also, third in pace is not really the expectation I had for the Warriors. So unfortunately, they did not make the playoffs. Um, they have potentially two lottery picks coming up. Their own pick could be 14th. But... You know, that, that could jump up. There is obviously a minuscule, minuscule chance. It's like a 2% chance of that pick jumping into the top four. So they're almost definitely going to pick 14. But they've got the Timberwolves pick. And unless that pick falls in the top three, they get it. So they can get fourth. They've got a 9.6% chance of getting it in fourth. An 8.6% chance of it being the sixth pick. But it's currently slotted to the sixth pick. It's yeah, the, the, But the light, most likely scenario is it's almost a 30% chance of picking seven. 21% chance of picking eight, 4% chance of picking ninth. So they could find themselves with pick seven and 14. That's the most likely outcome, but it could easily be pick four and 14, pick six and 14, pick one and pick four. Like that's best case, pick one and pick four. It's very, very unlikely to happen, but they do have that opportunity. So they've got at least one lottery pick, maybe two lottery picks coming up. In terms of free agency, Kelly Oubre Jr. is probably the biggest name there. He's an unrestricted free agent. I'd be really, really shocked if he's back. It doesn't appear like he particularly liked his time there and the fact that he would have to move to a bench role next season. Um, The Warriors probably wouldn't want to pay up for the amount that he claims he thinks he's going to get. He's on $14 million this year. Oubre is still just 25 years of age. He'll be 26 eh, a couple of months into next season but was, I'd say, fairly poor for most of this year from the, the standard that we expect from Ubre. And then, of course, Clay Thompson returns next season. So I do not think he returns. Kent Bazemore is an unrestricted free agent. Bazemore is 32. I think he can come back. He filled in pretty admirably. He can be a pretty solid defender. The shooting can be a concern. Although he hit 41% of his threes this year. I think he returns. And then Nico Mannion's a restricted free agent. He had a little stretch where he played some minutes. 
I don't think he played particularly well. And I don't think they'd be you know, killing themselves to bring him back. But as a restricted guy, maybe they'd bring him back on, on another two-way or a minimum contract, you know, two years with non-guarantees on it. But I wouldn't say that he is necessarily a, uh, a super high-priority player for the Golden State Warriors to be bringing back. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's been researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not for patients. Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. It also has a lozenge, four milligrams of nicotine coming in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. These lozenges and gum are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now, and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere on flights at work, on the go, or even in the gym. There's no no excuse to be smoking, really, in 2021. And I'm sure you, know, you don't enjoy this habit, but it's something that is hard to kick. So Lucy can be a way that you can help to get off the cigarette. So it's 2021. Get rid of it. Unplug your vape. Get rid of your cigarettes. Throw out your dip. Get some of that Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. Locked on NBA network listeners. Go to lucy.co. Lucy.co. C-O. Use the promo code locked on NBA to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code locked on NBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this, this this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addict, addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use that promo code LOCKEDONNBA. If you're looking for a part for your car, one of the major reasons you're going to fix it yourself is so you can save money. So why would you go to a local chain store, big brand, big box, auto place, and they're going to charge you more money when rockauto.com is right there. It's sitting on your browser. Just type it into the URL bar rockauto.com because rockauto.com they don't have different prices for professionals and for do-it-yourselfers it is the same reliably low price right across the board and their catalog's huge they've got all the parts and pieces and for cars and makes and models whatever you need car or truck classic car daily driver rockauto.com has you covered and those prices as i said always reliably low go to rockauto.com right now see all of those parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com okay let's talk steph 63 games for steph 34 minutes a night a lot of people were avoiding drafting steph curry because ah oh, mate injury prone the warriors are going to tank He's going to get shut down just like last year. Can't trust it. He was the third ranked, sorry, the second ranked player this year with an ADP of uh, five. In totals, he was the second ranked player. So you used a top five pick on him. You absolutely won. He was unbelievable. 32 points per game, five and a half threes per game. And over the second half of the year, he was hitting six threes per game at 44%. Insanity. Five and a half boards, five and a half assists, 1.2 steals, 48 and 92 was his percentages. The only category where he was really bad was blocks, and we don't expect that out of Steph Curry. In points leagues, he was seventh, averaging almost 48 fantasy points per game. Literally unbelievable. Plus 6.9 EPM. That is that is why he's a, this is why he's a top three player for MVP. He's LeBron out of this world, 5.24. His Raptor, 6.8, with a plus 8.8 offensive Raptor. I don't know what more to say about Steph. I don't know how the hell. He's 33 years old. How the hell did he do this? Can he do it again next year? 35 usage with this sort of scoring? I, I, I don't know. But this is the best the best year of his career in terms of scoring. The usage was the highest of his career. 
The assist, he's been better, but you know, he was he's still really good. I, I don't really see why it would dip too much. He's going to be a, an elite shooter for his entire career. Steph is probably going to be a top five pick again next year. I, I know Clay Thompson returns. So that is... Let, actually, let's get Clay Thompson out of the way now. I'm not going to discuss him now because he didn't play. He's coming back from a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. Clay hasn't played in two years. He's 30 plus years of age. His value in fantasy lies in hitting threes and doing it at good percentages. I don't want to, I don't want a part of him outside of the top 100 uh top 100 maybe. No way 50, 70, 80, no way would I draft Clay Thompson. Now he will have an impact in Steph's usage will drop from 35 down to 31. It impacts what Ubre's future is, it probably impacts guys like Wiggins a little bit as well. But Clay has been a good fantasy player in the past because of high volume threes and now because volume threes have increased around the league his value does decline there. And I don't expect Clay to come back and be you know, any sort of top 70 player. No chance. And he'll be, they'll be really cautious with him. He won't be ready to start the year. We don't look at Clay as any sort of... Uh, I, if he didn't finish in the top 100 ever again, I would not be surprised. But it will have an impact on Steph a little bit. That usage, which again, over the second half of the year, Steph was at 38 usage. He was the number one player in fantasy, averaging 35 points with a true shooting of 66%. The shit that he was doing was remarkable. Like actually remarkable. And while I think it slows down a little bit, top five is absolutely where he where he lies next year. Draymond Green, what a turnaround this was. Draymond Green was, at the early part of the season, as he returned from a foot injury and from COVID, he struggled. There were a lot of people who were like, I'm avoiding Draymond Green at all costs. And my point there was, he was a 77th ranked player last year. He played just 28 minutes a night and he didn't try. Uh, and he still was 77th. So you could have drafted him at a pretty solid spot and gotten value. And he, and he smashed ADP, 58th ADP. He was the 37th ranked player. But hold on to your dicks. Over the last three months of the year, the final 34 games of the season, Draymond Green was the 14th ranked fantasy player. I bet you didn't guess that. He averaged almost a triple eight. Eight points, 8.4 rebounds, and 9.1 assists with two steals, one block. He shot 48 from the field. Maybe he shot 39 last year. And he shot 87 from the line. He was an 80% free throw shooter this season. And he did it while not shooting threes well at all. He was terrible at three-point shooting. But the last half of his year, 57 true shooting, unbelievable assists, steals, and blocks. He was remarkable. And COVID killed him at the start of the year. And he was a guy we go, what, what are we doing here with Draymond? One of the best defensive players in the NBA. 2.5 EPM is a really strong number. Easily second on his team in LeBron. Steph and Draymond carried this team. I didn't think Draymond still had a year like this in him. 4.6 Raptor. Because Draymond is, what, 31 as well? The thing we look at it, we go, okay, well, Clay returns. But who cares? Draymond's usage was 13. Like, it's not based on that. He only played 31 and a half minutes a game. That could be 33. Like, over the last half of the year, he played 34 minutes a night. And that's where he was, that top 14 player. Would I draft Draymond in the top 20? No, because... Yeah, finding points outside of that area is really hard to do, and he doesn't provide it. But top 50? I think top 50 is pretty realistic, I would guess, for Draymond Green. He was he was unbelievable. There's no absolutely no two ways about that. His second half of the year was it was insane to see how well he played during that time. Let's talk. We go. 71 games for Andrew Wiggins, 33 minutes a night. He... Um, had 32 fantasy points. That was 70th. 
He was the 89th ranked player in category leagues, which his ADP is always higher than his value. He was 75 ADP, but you never want to take him there. He blocked a shot per game. Uh, his free throws still remain a problem, 71% from the from the line. But last year, last year he was 75th, so he did you know, take a marginal step back. But that's a, about the right sort of area for Wigo. But again, over the second half of the year, 59th ranked player. He averaged 20 points per game. He had a true shooting of 59%. He got a steal and a block. Five and a half boards, 49 and 76. Really big steps up from where he was in Minnesota. True shooting went from 54 up to 57, by far the best number of his career. A positive EPM for the first time in his career since his second year in Minnesota and a career best EPM. 38% from three. Career best block rate. Career best, or not career best turnover rate. Sorry, that's, that's misleading. He still doesn't rebound very well, but was quite good. His Raptor wasn't the greatest, negative 0.6. That's all right. But defensively, I thought he improved a lot. His LeBron was a pretty strong number. I think Wiggins found his role, found his position in the league, found his... He's only 26 as well. I don't expect him to ever be a top 50 player. There's just too much lacking in the rebounds and the assists. The free throws are a problem. But as an 18-point score... Now, he, he will lose a bit. 23 usage this year. That might go to 21 next season. But remember, Ubre goes. So Wiggins could take some of Ubre's usage, while Clay Clay could well Clay can just take all the Ubre's usage. So Wiggins might be able to maintain similar value. Very solid stuff from him the last last two years, but I think you know, in terms of impact on a team and impact on the court, he took it an extra step this season, and was I almost almost feel really and I do feel really confident this is the best season of Andrew Wiggins's career. Let's talk about Ubre. Massive, massive disappointment. 55 games, only 31 minutes a night. Now, I have been a guy that hasn't been the biggest Ubre supporter over his career. Didn't really, I thought he was actually shit house in Washington. Yeah, he surprised me in Phoenix, but I maintain that his best role would have been as a sixth man. I can't believe they started him over McCall Bridges. That looks insane now when you see how Bridges plays. And then he moves to the Warriors, and I was pretty lukewarm on where he was as a player. But somehow he even let down my low expectations. Now, last season, he was the 59th ranked player in category leagues. He ended up 122nd this season. He was 29 fantasy points a game. That was 93rd. But he dropped way off. 66 ADP was way too high for me because I didn't see a few things happening. I, I didn't see um, you know, him maintaining the same level of scoring on this team with, with Steph. But you know, I also I didn't expect him to be as bad of a shooter as he was. So while I expected him not to live up to the ADP of 66, I didn't expect him to be this bad. And we can look at it and go, well, you know, he shot 45% from the field in Phoenix and he shot 44 this year. What's the difference? Tell you what the difference is. His threes went from 35 to 31 and a half. So that drops his three-pointers made. But his free throws went from 78 to 70%. That is a large, large difference. Very significant difference, that is. And if you punt free throws, your Ubre does move up 20 plus spots. Because his free throws went from like 78 to 70%. That's a big, big drop. It wasn't, look, and he had that historically bad run to begin the year of just could not shoot at all. But his metric numbers dropped quite a bit. Negative one EPM. His LeBron was pretty low. Negative 0.71. His Raptor was pretty low. He just could not fit offensively at all. And that's in large part because the shot just wouldn't go down. I do it now. I don't know what team he goes to. In terms of overall shooting numbers, I expect a bounce back from Ubre. 
But does a team look at Kelly Oubre as a 33-minute-a-night player or as a 27-minute-a-night Miles Bridges analog can play the three, bit of the two, bit of the four, comes in, has a decent enough usage off the bench, hits some threes, plays some good defense, cannot pass uh, or cannot create, but plays some okay defense. There is enough there. And I think... If he finds an ADP in the 120s, then he is a valuable option. He is only 26. I don't love him as a long-term, oh, he's guy's awesome or anything like that, but I think he can be better than what we saw from him this season, which is not particularly hard, but I do think that he can be better than that. And look, I don't know whether Ubre is going to be on a team that hits the playoffs, but again, if you are interested in the playoffs, then why wouldn't you be? The road to the finals, right across the Locked On Podcast Network, the NBA Network, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And a 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy these games a little bit more this season. Juan Toscano Anderson. Only played 53 games, was on a two-way, but then got himself a full contract at the end of the year. Congratulations to him. He is 28. So don't look at him as some young, untapped prospect, because he's not. 21 minutes, six points. Where did the value from Toscano Anderson come? How was he able to be a top 200 player? Not not that in points leagues, 250th or 248th in points for 18 points. Well, the shooting, that's all it was really. 58% from the field, which included a absolutely ludicrous 71% from two-point range. How did he do that? He finished at the rim at 74%. He hit his mid-ranges at 50%. Those things have no chance of sticking. His true shooting of 68 has no chance of sticking. Defensively, he is pretty good. I think he's a very good defender, a solid rebounder, and not a bad passer at all. Yeah, pretty good passer, really good defender. The shooting, no way. The role next year, there's 21 minutes a night. In large part, those minutes were bumped up because of the absence of James Wiseman, because he had to play a lot of small ball center. But Wiseman will return. And Pascal, who missed a bunch of time, will be back as well. Toscano Anderson's a better player than Pascal. Let's not get that confused. But before we look at Toscano Anderson, who was really good, yeah, that shooting is not real. It's impossible. There's no way it continues at 72% from two. 40% from three, maybe. I don't fully buy it, but maybe. But this guy's also got a player that has that real flash at the end of the season. People might get overexcited, and that's, again, very similar to what happened with Pascal last year, where a lot of things aligned for him to be a useful enough or appear to be a useful enough player. I think we might have a similar thing that happens with Toscano Anderson. Again, love his defense. I think he's better than Pascal. Offensively, he's not there, and you think he might... You know, his last 10 games, he was 86th in category leagues. He was 120th over the last two months in large part because he was able to provide steals, blocks, nice assists, nice rebounds, like average in all those categories, and then do it on huge field goal percentage for his position or field goal percentage in general, which if that comes from 58, 57 down to 49, your value's done. It's out the window. It's it's gone. But he was impressive. Just don't overestimate or don't over rely upon what he was able to do this year. I, do, I don't think. I like the bloke. Great that he got a contract. Just not not sure that we get this uh, same stuff repeated. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all of that action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC action. Before that next pitch or next tip or next puck drop, head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Head to that website, use your mobile device, 
But use our promo code locked on because once you use that to sign up, you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. Michelob Ultra, we're here to give you this week's or this season for the Golden State Warriors the ultra moment of the year. What was it, do you think, with the Golden State Warriors? What was their moment of the year? Now, Michelob Ultra is all about bringing joy, happiness, enjoyment to the game. So the, the moment that defined their season was picking James Wiseman at number two, but I'm not sure that gave people too much joy or happiness. I think it's basically just Steph Curry turning into a top three player back into a top three player in the NBA. And Steph doing it and saying, guys, we're making the playoffs. Jump on my back and let's go. To me, that's the moment. It's not a, not a one moment situation, but it's Steph becoming Steph again at age 33 and carrying this team. Didn't quite make the playoffs, but carrying them through to that spot on the back of legendary performances. Steph Curry, is there a player in NBA history who has represented the Michelob Ultra joy and happiness as much as Steph Curry? It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and there's nobody I enjoy watching more than Steph Curry. 2.6 grams of carbs from Michelob Ultra, 95 calories. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. The ultra moment of the year for the Warriors is Steph Curry re-becoming Steph Curry. Um, all right. Let's talk Kent Bazemore. Bays is 32, as I said already. 20 minutes a game, seven points. He got averaged a steal per game, 45 and 69 for a true shooting of 56 because he hits threes at a really, really good level. 40% shooting for Bazemore, who has struggled with shooting in the past before. He was able to step up when Ubre went down and play some really good defense and in the end have a positive EPM because of how good his def- defense was. 98th percentile defensively in that metric. His Raptor, super high as well for defense. His LeBron, through the roof. Unfortunately, his offense struggles. He's a low usage player, 16% usage, who struggled from the line, doesn't hit his twos very well. The passing used to be a strength of Bazemore's. That's way off. But in terms of defense, he can be that guy that you can throw out there for 17, 18 minutes. They could bring him back on another one-year deal. And I think he fits, especially if they do lose him, right? Yes, Clay comes in, but Clay won't be able to play the same role. But having Bazemore back, I think is really important. I think Bazemore showed that he can be better than someone like a Damian Lee there on the wing. Um, but yeah, could also lose minutes to a uh, a rising Jordan Poole. But Bazemore was impressive enough this year at times. He was a, a streamable guy for his steals ability alone. Jordan Poole, let's talk about his bliss bloke. Just turned 22. One of the worst players in the NBA to begin last season. But if you weren't paying attention to the Warriors, you saw at the end of the year, or if you weren't paying attention, you didn't notice this. But at the end of the year, he started to improve. He started to put together some good performances. And this year... I thought he was pretty good. 51 games, 19 minutes, 18 fantasy points. He hit 88% from the line, which is up from 80 as a rookie. 35% from three. He hit finished at the rim at 64%. Impressive. He was able to up his um, assist rate. He was able to decrease his turnovers. His offensive EPM was 1.4. That's 86th percentile. He maintained a high usage when he was out there. I thought he was pretty good. Now, LeBron, as a metric, did not like him because of his bad defense. Raptor was really, really critical of that defense as well. But I think that he has got a legitimate chance to just become the sixth man on this team. You take that Ubre role, play 26 minutes a night. He averaged 12 points per game already on 25 usage and did it shooting 35%. He could shoot 38%. He could average 15 points Jordan Clarkson-ish with a little bit more passing ability. Will that be good enough for fantasy? Probably not. 
or for standard leagues anyway. But the big, massive leap forward that he took, I reckon he's got another leap in him. And I think that Jordan Poole can have a top 100 season in the next three years. He can be, I think he can have, depending on where he ends up on a team, I think he could be an 18 to 20 point per game scorer over three threes, five boards, three and a half assists, 1.3 steals. 88 from the line, 46 from the field. I think he can do it. I've got some faith in Jordan Poole. I really love what I saw from him this year, and he's got some absolute dynasty upside. Now the tough one. James Wiseman, Blunty. He just turned 20. He's very young. He didn't play much basketball in college. You know who else didn't play much basketball the year prior? Lamelo Ball. Played nine more games than James Wiseman in Illawarra. Played 12 games versus Wiseman's three in college. Remember, Wiseman playing three games in college was his own choice. I hated the pick at the time of him going at number two. He was worse than I expected. And to be honest, um, it was a disaster of a pick for the Warriors. But before you start going off and complaining about what I say, this is not to say that James Wiseman cannot become a good player. He can. I don't particularly see it. I would I would not waste a, a pick that high on a center with his limitations, defensively and offensively. He showed flashes this year for sure, but he is so absolutely lost on the court, offensively and defensively, that it's a long way to go. And when your best player is a 33, 31, and then Clay Thompson would 31 as well, I know you can say, well, yeah, we're, we're investing for the future. Wiseman's not good enough to be the best or second best or third best player on a conference finals team, in my opinion, when he gets to his prime. I don't think he's that guy. So while that's all well and good, like take LaMelo Ball, the most obvious fit you could have personally found. Oh, they've got a point guard. So? Do you think LaMelo wasn't better than Kelly Oubre this year? Or having somebody else on this team at all that could dribble that's not Steph or Draymond? Someone else, one other player that can dribble. Would have been great. Again, this is not to criticize James Wiseman. He does the best of what he can. He just cannot play at at this point. He is not very good at all. He was by far the worst player on this team in terms of the LeBron metric. He was the worst player on this team for Raptor, not including Jordan Ballot and Alan Smilagic, who played 160 minutes combined. His EPM was a negative 3.9. That's 16th percentile across the league. He's got a, a good offensive and defensive rebounding rate. He blocks shots at a nice level. Passing, atrocious. Three-point shooting, yeah, 32%. That's not bad. Mid-range is not good. Finish at the rim well. Doesn't hit free throws. But it's not... You, know, you look at his numbers and you go, well, he played 21 minutes, 11 and 6 with 0.9 blocks and 52% shooting. There is fantasy value in that for sure. He was 181st in, in points leagues despite playing 21 minutes. And you play him at 30 minutes a night, there's a lot to like there. But what at this point, him playing 30 minutes a night is a recipe to lose basketball games. I think the Warriors made a mistake starting him at the beginning of the year, forcing him into minutes, into a role that he wasn't capable of um, succeeding in. If he finds 30 minutes a night, he will be a top 70 fantasy guy because he will average 16 and 8, two blocks, Shoot 58% in his prime. He's at 52 already as a rookie, and he stood and he didn't know what he was doing. That will improve. 
The free throws are a worry. The lack of steals, the lack of assists are a worry. The three-pointers, I don't really think they're ever going to become a real weapon. But my problem with him is, is not that he doesn't can't generate fantasy numbers. It's that can he actually be good enough to be on the court long enough to generate those numbers? And he is a long way off. Now, he's probably three or four years away from getting into where we know where he's at. But I am ready to rule out him being an absolute superstar level player. I think that we, I did not see any of those flashes from him. Can he be a good player? Maybe. Could he turn into Hassan Whiteside at his best? And that's, Whiteside's terrible now, but he had some moments of being okay. You know, can Wiseman ever be Embiid, Jokic, Towns? No, I don't think so. Davis, absolutely not. Yeah, but where's he going to hang his hat? Defensively is where he needs to improve, and he showed some showed some flashes there. There are people who absolutely disagree 100% with what I'm saying, and many of you will be watching or listening to this show now. You will absolutely think, no, he has got superstar upside written all over him. Now, in all likelihood, if you don't believe those things, like I don't, you wouldn't have picked him in a dynasty rookie draft. So you won't be in a position to still try and sell off of him. But if you did, you buy into him and take him top two. And there are other people in your league who really, really froth this guy and think this is top 20 upside and think, well, look, he's a rookie. He got hurt. He had COVID. He barely played in college. Big men take time, which is a lie. Well, it's not, it's not a lie. It's a narrative that's been built up that's not true. That, that's more accurate. If there are people who believe all of that, sell him. Try and get yeah, extract a lot of value because while I think he can... He might pop for a top 50 fantasy season. I just don't think it's a long, sustainable 10-year type thing for Wiseman. I don't, I, I could, I've been wrong on plenty of prospects. I just do not see it with this guy. The proof this year was in the pudding for sure because as soon as he was off the court or injured, they played better. That was not a coincidence. He was a horrendous negative 14.6 on-off and negative two on the court. How are you a negative two on court when you're playing with Steph and Draymond? And Wiggins. How how is it possible? He was actually horrible. And that is not to say that he remains horrible. He will improve. There is absolutely zero doubt in my mind he will be better than this. 100% better. But does it ever translate into a star level player? I have my doubts. He can run. He can run fast. He can jump. But if you don't know when to do that, or how to do that, or where to do that, then your NBA career... Is probably not going to uh, get to the heights that some think it may get to. Damian Lee, Steph's brother-in-law, 29 or going to be 29 soon. Played 19 minutes, bit of a disappointing year, but this is always going to be the case. He played a ton of minutes last year when everyone was injured, no Clay, no Steph. Played a pretty big role, and he's just not that player. 19 minutes a night, he was all right. He had um, uh, COVID at the end of the year, and that ended his season. Is he a guy that you care about to rely on long term? No, but $1.9 million non-guaranteed contract as a depth wing piece who can be a 40% or was a 40% three-point shooter this year and has been in two of the last three years. Yeah, there's enough value in that. He's solid enough. He's a good defender. He's okay offensively. He knows his role. Um, and that's all fine. You know, plus 1.1 Raptors, a really strong number. Negative 0.33 LeBron's a pretty good number. He just is fine in what he does. He'll never be a top 200 fantasy guy though. Kevon Looney doesn't put up numbers. We know that. Looney's on-off was a staggering 8.4, one of the best on the team because yeah, he just knows how to play basketball. He knows how to do the right thing, 
to make your team better. And that was that's the he goes and starts. Wiseman goes out, the team turns around. He was a plus 0.5 EPM, true shooting of 57. But none of this matters for fantasy because you compare his numbers to Wiseman's, they're not even close. 19 minutes, four points, five rebounds, 0.4 blocks, 0.4 steals, 65 from the line, a true shooting of 58%. These aren't good numbers, 9% usage, but he just knows how to, how to play. It's never going to be an impact for fantasy. He's never going to be able to play enough minutes long-term to have any sort of impact, even in the top 200. But you know, in terms of the centers currently on their roster, if they start him, that is their best uh, avenue for success. And how that all plays out next year will be really interesting. Eric Pascal, really disappointing year for Pascal, but it was it was easy to foresee. I did I think he made first team all rookie last year, which to me was a laugh. And he was one of those guys. He was actually drafted, ADP 137, finished 357th. It was a ridiculous idea to draft him. Draymond Green, James Wiseman, Steph Curry, all these guys were going to play a much bigger role. Pascal played 17 minutes a night, and they weren't good minutes. Even last year, he was 195th. People expected him to get better. I, I don't know how. Or be better than that. He averaged 14 last year. He averaged 9 with 3. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. He doesn't get huge assists. Now, he did get assists down the stretch of last season. I think people got really blown away by that, where he had this big stretch where he turned into this point forward. No Steph, no Draymond down the end, and that's why he, he was able to put those numbers up. This year, not even close. He's 24 already. I think that he is a weird player who just needs the ball in his hands to have success. But the problem is if he has the ball in his hands for him to have individual success, your team doesn't have individual success with him and the ball in his hands. His shooting numbers are okay. 57 true shooting. EPM negative 1.8 is actually better than his rookie season because his impact metrics were dreadful as a rookie. Um, Not a good fantasy profile type player. Do not look at him as, a, oh, just wait until Draymond moves on, maybe four or five years. I, I don't think Pascal is an NBA starting caliber player. Sorry. Jordan Bell played six games. Remember Jordan Bell? And I'll talk about players that I got wrong. I thought this guy could be a real impact player. Absolutely, completely wrong. He had that nice little stretch as a rookie, then off-court stuff and his level of play, and the game just said, nah, you're, you're no good. He's back in Golden State. Nothing to get excited about. Shot 32%. Absolutely disastrous player at this point. Nico Mannion, second round pick. Some thought he should have gone in the first round. I can't remember what I had him mocked draft. I think I had him higher than where he ended up, but he played 12 minutes in 30 games. Shot 35%, including 37% from three, but could not hit a two-pointer at all. And I thought he looked pretty lost when he was out there, but he's a rookie. Yeah, you expect expect that, but some of those numbers are rough. 49 true shooting, negative 4.2 APM, 18% on mid-rangers. Can Nico Mannion ever be a starting caliber point guard? I don't believe so. I I feel like he'll be much better than this. That shooting will jump up maybe 10, 12 percentage points over the next two years. The assist rate was relatively strong. Uh, 62nd percent assist rate as a point guard uh, out of all point guards. 91st percentile overall. That's, that's impressive enough. Turn the ball over a lot though. Not a very good rebounder. And defensively, the steal rate was all right. He wasn't a complete disaster. So he's at least a guy that can hang around as a uh, as a backup point guard. And maybe he develops, you know, best case scenario, he develops into campaign. He's not he's not that good. But yeah, I don't really see him as a future star. Gary Payton came around, played 40 minutes for the year. Don't think we need to talk too much about Gaz. And then Michael Mulder, who had did start some games. He is a, uh, a pretty solid shooter. Shot 40% from three, but he offers absolutely nothing else. And ideally, you don't want to be have to be playing Michael Mulder. He is a guy that can sort of 
Um, replicate what Clay Thompson provides. Stand out there and hit threes. Yeah, that's not what Clay does, but you know what I mean. And just don't do anything else. But yeah, not much there to see. And then Alan Smilajic, the last player, barely played. Don't know why the Warriors are keeping around. I know they believe in him, and he still hasn't turned 21. But I have yet to see anything in his two years. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt that first year. I thought, well, the Warriors must see something here. He was worse this year than last year. The shot did not go in. He shot 40% from three, but overall, everything was pretty rough. Barely played. Nothing in the G League made me get excited about Smilajic. I don't, uh, I don't see it for him, and I don't think there's much dynasty value there for Big Smiley. All right, it is time for me to uh, answer the questions that you have about this Golden State Warriors team. So JC Van Ocker, how does Clay's return shape your assessment of the young talent on the team from a fantasy and real basketball standpoint? Does Wiseman have serious upside potential from your perspective? I've answered that already. Um, why was there such a gap between his potential and what was observed? Well, JC Van Ocker, I would say that the gap between his potential and what was observed was because his potential was significantly overstated, and I've mentioned that plenty of times. The young talent on this team, what is it? Wiseman and Poole? Is that the young talent? I think you know, Clay moves into Ubre's role most likely. Um, Poole steps up to play 23, 24 minutes a night, and I think Clay actually helps him. I don't think it has too much of an impact on, on Wiseman. Adam Koffler, is Juan Toscano-Anderson a part of the rotation next season, or was that a result of the shallow bench this season? I think they would like for him to be there um, as that backup four, but probably not in the same size of the role that he played, maybe 15, 16 minutes a night, but I think he can be. Chris says, although Clay is really good, why do people think that when he returns, the Warriors are automatically back in the championship scene when he's coming back from back-to-back major injuries? I don't know why they think that. You should have zero expectation for Clay Thompson coming back after two disastrous injuries to his leg. Absolutely no expectation. So I, he's not championship. They're not championship to me. Eric says, where do you expect Clay to be drafted? Too high. I wouldn't draft him in the top 100. Jim Cavs, would Jordan Poole be a sixth man role? How high is his ceiling? Yes, I think he'll be the sixth man because I don't think Ubre will return. Ceiling for next year is probably top 120, I would guess. Padrak Hickey, I'm sorry I mispronounced that name, I'm sure, your Irish name. Is Steph a top five lock for next year's drafts? Yes, absolutely. No doubt about that. Will Wiggins get moved? No chance, in my opinion. Will Draymond be the best, tra- best tradable asset? There's no way they trade Draymond Green. I would uh, I would think there is absolutely no way that they do that. Let's have a look at this. Matt Lawson, last question. Buying or selling these Warriors Dynasty ADP? Steph at 13. Huh. Well, we know or feel good about him beating that next year. But we're looking dynasty over the next five years. I think that's probably about right. Wiggins at 73. It's probably about right. Wiseman at 88. Uh, I think he can have some top 80 seasons. But I, w- I wouldn't want to be the person that does it. Draymond at 90. That feels like a real bargain. Look, top 15 over the last three months of this season. Even if you get a top 30 player for two years, it's a bargain. Ubre at 100. Huh. Would I buy or sell Ubre at 100? I'd probably buy it. And Clay Thompson at 120, I would sell that. Jordan Poole at 200, I would buy that for sure. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Odyssey. Drop a thumbs up on YouTube. Leave your comments below. Hit the notification bell, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.